This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Delighted to say that I'm joined by Christy Murray, Scotland International. Um, not every day I get to speak to a former Liverpool player as well, so thanks for joining me. No problem. Glad to be here. Um, the first question I've got for you is, you've just left Liverpool. What does the future hold? Because it's uncertain times across football, um, all levels. What, where do you think your next step will be? I actually don't know. I think, like you say, I think there's a lot of things that are uncertain at the moment, but I think I would love to stay in England and play, but it just really depends on kind of what opportunities are available for me at the moment. Um, so it's just one of the things that I just kind of need to wait and see, and, and I'm still training at the moment as well, so it just really depends on, on the time, really. I think it's just really uncertain, but um, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm looking forward to a new kind of, a new challenge. A new challenge on the way, and, and in terms of the female game. I'm interested to ask you how it's changed over the last few years and, and since you've been playing. I work in education and for me in the last three years in particular that I've been teaching, the amount of girls that want to take up football now and are asking for a, a female football team in, in schools is unbelievable. So what's it been like at the professional level as well? Oh, there's been so many changes. I think even just since I moved down from um, from Scotland initially when I went to Arsenal to like now, like when we were at Arsenal, we weren't properly full-time. Like, we trained in the afternoon, early evening. So, I think, and then obviously going from going to now Liverpool, properly full-time. And on the back of the World Cup, there's just been a lot more investment in the women's game as well and more exposure. Like, there's millions watched the game, like the first game of the World Cup in Scotland, England. And it's a brilliant thing, and I just hope that it continues. I hope, like, the, the game continues to grow. Absolutely, and I think... In terms of England, as you've said, it's it's fully professionalised down there. In Scotland, there's more and more teams starting to want to get involved in a in a more substantial level. You look at Celtic hiring Fran Alonso, they seem to be taking it very seriously again now. In terms of the game in Scotland, do you think it, it can improve to the standard that England has? Or do you think we just have to accept that it will be slightly different, the same as the men's game is? I don't know. I think that that's quite a tricky question. I think obviously off the back of like Scotland doing like us doing so well and getting to back to back tournaments, I think the growth of the game in Scotland's definitely improved and and there's been a lot more investment as well. You see Rangers going full time, Celtic are obviously up there as well, competing and investing properly as well as Glasgow City who have been the forerunners for a long time. So I think it, it'll be different. It'll it's obviously going to be behind England because England's a few years ahead, but that's obviously the aim, isn't it, to to make sure that we can continue to grow the game and get it as close to professional as possible. But I think it, I think it will be a bit different. In, in terms of yourself, how did you start playing football? When, when did you really have the bug to start playing the game? I've always played it. Like, I used to drive my mum mental. Like, balloons, balls, she'd always be shouting at me to get outside and play. Um, my brother, he played football as well. He's a year younger. So we always played together. Like, we'd be playing the parks. We would 
run, I would run to school so that I could play before school. I would run home at lunchtime, sprint back so that I could play again at lunchtime. Like these games were like serious, serious games um, that we'd be playing. So it was, it was, it was probably when I started playing competitive football. It was, I was about ten, and that was in the school team um, when they finally kind of let me play. The headmaster at the time thought I was too small, um, and he was scared that I would get hurt. So it wasn't really until she, um, the head the headmaster broke his leg and a headmistress came in. Um, and she kind of was just like, she's good enough, she can play. So from then on, it kind of just, it gave me the confidence to kind of push on and, and want to play competitive football. And that was with boys. Um, and then I joined a girls team when I was 12. So that's 11, 12. So just before I went to high school. So from then on, I always played kind of competitive, proper competitive football. See, see, in terms of growing up playing alongside boys, what was that like? Because I imagine at first it could maybe be hard to for for certain boys, even at that time, to maybe accept you as part of the team? 100%. Um, I think it was always like little challenges with it. Um, I always go, used to go and watch my brother playing, um, but I couldn't play because I was a girl. It wasn't really, it was really like, whereas I played with all the boys at the park. So all the ones that were playing in the, the games, I played with them every day. Um, and then we'd go on holidays and stuff like that. And it would be first pick, second pick, third pick, and I was always last pick. And then after after the first few games, I was then up with my brother as one of the first pick. So it's kind of like it's a perception thing. And once people would see you playing, they would be like, right, actually, she's all right. She can, she can play a wee bit. So I think there was always that kind of challenge because I was a girl. But once they once they seen that I could play, I was very much just like one of them. It kind of made it a lot easier. Um, so, yeah. And and when you joined the all girls team for the first time, I imagine that was something that was was a big step for you, and and also really positive in the sense that, as you say, you went through those challenges of playing alongside boys and and and, and that battle to be accepted, um, and then yeah. you go to play with all girls, and and you are accepted from day one. Yeah, hundred percent. And it was um, it was funny because I knew that it was girls the girls teams, but it wasn't a lot at the time. Um, and and when I first went, like some of the girls that I played with are still some of my closest friends. Like we grew up together and played and we still keep in touch. But I think just the initial moment of going and being like, oh my God, there's actually other girls who are the same as me and it's fine. Like nobody's going to challenge me kind of thing in that way. So that was nice. And in terms of getting your first move into into a professional club, when did that come for you? Um, that came when I was 20... Three, that was like the December. So we just Glasgow City had drew Arsenal in the in the Champions League. Um and we we played them both legs and because we played a winter league, the season was done. Um and no, sorry, a summer league. Summer league, um the season was finished and I just kinda got a phone call from Shelley. Shelley was a manager at the time. Um and she was just like, Would you be interested in coming down and having a look and, and training and seeing how how you fit in and whatever, and I was like one million percent. I grew up watching Ashland, like the FA Cup finals and stuff like that. So for me, that was like a dream move. And in terms of before we talk Arsenal, how important were Glasgow City in your development? Because when you look at your record for Glasgow City, basically nearly a goal a game. Yeah, I, huge. For me, the like the time that I joined Glasgow City, I, I kind of knew that I needed to move on. Um, and I'd spoke to Eddie while well, I could laugh at the time. He was just like, I want to take your game to the next level. I want to really develop you. And he's like, you'll win. You'll be playing with winners. You'll be looking to compete for league titles. And like for me, that was something as a young player that I wanted. Um, 
I'm still the same, like I always want to improve and I want to learn and like that environment was really, really good for me and I think going to Glasgow City gave me the opportunity to play with players that were like-minded and um, that, that were obviously senior internationalists as well. So um, they were really, really important in terms of like my development. I got the opportunity to play in big games and played in the Champions League three seasons in a row. So um, yeah, they played a big part in my development as a young player. And in terms of that aspect of, of being a winner, how important is it also when you're playing for a club like Glasgow City, the fact that you look at the record, three Premier League titles, uh, cups as well. I mean, just just that winning environment. I imagine not only the atmosphere being in and around the club, but winning those trophies helped bring your game and confidence on tenfold. 100% it did. And I think like before I signed it, it was like, I guarantee you, you'll be competing for titles and you'll be competing for, for trophies. And like, that was so attractive to me. Like, I wanted to be in that environment, and um, yeah, it, it was great. Really, really good time for me in my football career, and something that I still look back back on um, with fond memories. And, and in terms of getting down to Arsenal, I was quite impressed there when you were saying that you, were, you weren't phased at all. It was a case of, no, of course, I'd really want to get down there. Did you always yeah. back yourself to succeed in England? <sighs> I was nervous, I'm not going to lie. I grew up idolising some of the players that I was training with. Um, so I think for me, like taking that step and going down to England was um, a huge one, um, especially with such a um, a prestigious club and a really successful club. So I knew that I would I would have to be at my best. And um, yeah, oh God, I was so nervous. I remember my first training session, <laughs> um, but it, it was brilliant for me. That's the kind of environment I wanted to be in. I think. If you're not around people who are better than you, you're not. I don't feel like you're going to improve. And for me, I was definitely around some really, really top class players. And in and in terms of the the characters in that dressing room, what was it like compared to Glasgow City? Because you go, obviously, you're playing with internationals at Glasgow, but when you go to Arsenal, they've got kind of the pick of some of the best players in the country. Yeah, I, similar but different. Do you know what I mean? There's still that kind of winning mentality and a lot of like really seasoned pros and, and successful players. So I think it was it was similar in a lot of senses, but then in other senses it was it was different because you've got players that have played in World Cups and European Championships and won Champions League titles and won the World Cup with two players that played with Japan that played and won the World Cup. So it was um but they were so humble. Like it was just looking at different kind of personalities and, and kind of learning from them as well. Lots of personalities to learn from. In terms of the training, yeah. w- was that different at all, considering that when you went to Arsenal, as you say, it was a fully integrated um, professional club you were going to that obviously had a stature in the men's game as well? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the intensity of the training, like Glasgow City's training was always very intense, but I think even going down there, you could see that the level was higher again, do you know what I mean? The, the technical ability and, and the, the, the speed of the game was was higher so I think for me that just helped to raise my game even more um it was it was actually really good and in terms of Shelley Kerr at that stage what was she like then just the same like just really organized and professional and very like um yeah I would say professional is probably the biggest thing like she obviously wanted to do well and um I mean we won the FA Cup under her um in that summer so I think 
for me, Shelley's someone that I've always enjoyed working with. Um, and obviously now we work with the Scotland team, but you can see now how much she's grown as well as a coach. Because um, that was earlier on in her coaching career. Um, so, but again, similar, like she was just obviously very hard working and wanted to do the best for, for us as individuals and as a team. In terms of Arsenal, I know we'll come to Liverpool later. See, at that stage where the female team sort of integrated into the whole structure or was there still that kind of aspect of separation? I think there was still, I think there was still aspects where um, we weren't fully integrated. Um, we trained in the afternoons, which meant there wasn't early evenings actually, that there wasn't really any crossover with the men's kind of side. Um, we were still training indoors um, on the kind of 3G Astro. Um, it wasn't really until kind of Shelley left later on through that season that we started to go out onto the grass and that's kind of I think the point where things started to change just after I had left Arsenal they went probably full-time they had their own kind of like hub and base and I think from then on things really went went up. You mentioned the fact that successful with Arsenal then leave the club what was it that made you go to Bristol after Arsenal? I was at a point where I just wanted to get more game time um, I loved Arsenal. I loved how competitive it was. Like the standard of training and everything was brilliant. But I think for me, I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to get a season under my belt, a uh, play, and I'd come back off an injury for like a year and a bit before I'd signed for Arsenal. So I think for me, the full year was amazing. But I think for me, that I just wanted to play. That was the, the most important thing. And Bristol kind of brought me in to kind of give me that opportunity, and, and it was really good to give me. Don't know, 20-odd games under my belt, um, which was great. It, it was a different challenge for you at Bristol compared to Arsenal, who were competing for the kind of major titles. Yeah. The, the, the club were sort of scrambling to avoid relegation and down that end of the table. Was that something that, in a strange way, when you look back with hindsight, that brought your game on in the sense that it was a completely different challenge mentally? Yeah, definitely. And I think, for me, like... I went from Arsenal, we trained like maybe four days a week and, and trained, uh, played the game obviously and during the weekend. But when I went to Bristol, we only trained like twice a week. And that was that was a challenge in itself. Like halfway through the season, that changed again when the manager had left. But at that point, we weren't really fully professional. Um, which again, I think when you're competing with the likes of Arsenal and like the top teams, that, that proved a massive challenge in some long book, I think, for us. Um, but as a player, it definitely made me grow because you're, you're fighting every week to try and to pick up points and to get goals and assists and just like make an impact, make a positive impact. And obviously for us, like we got relegated that season. But I think for me as a player, like it gave me, it gave me a good full season of playing games competitively every week. Playing every week, very important, brings your game on. After Bristol... Was it always your ambition to come back to Scotland for a brief spell or were you looking to stay in England at that time? I think I was probably always looking to play in England um, and it didn't quite materialise and I think Celtic at that point were looking to, to kind of push on again and I was like this could be a good time for me just to go home and play again. Um, David and the staff at Celtic were brilliant with me. Um, and they just said, look, if, if another club comes in that's potentially a good club in England, then we would support you, um, which was, was great for me. And again, it was just it was just minutes. It was playing. It was playing for obviously Celtic, who um, that's my team. That's the team that I support. So 
um, I was definitely drawn to go back and play for them and, and I did really enjoy my time when I was back. You mentioned the fact you enjoy your time when you're back. You're a Celtic fan, beating Rangers 5-1. I can imagine that brought a smile to your face. <laughs> I was going to mention it, but then I thought of it or not. <laughs> um, no, that was brilliant. I had, we trained on Celtic Park when I was younger, but I, we'd never played any games. And I think them doing that kind of showed that the game was, it wasn't taking massive steps, but it was taking some steps forward. Um, so for me as a Celtic fan, to play on Celtic Park, was that was, that was really cool. Absolutely. Um, that's something that so many people would be absolutely jealous of. Absolutely. Um, back to England, Doncaster this time. Um, yeah. What was that like as an experience compared with Arsenal and Bristol? Completely different again. Like every club that I've played for, there have been different kind of ups and downs. Like as a place, it was, there wasn't really a lot going on. And it just meant that for me, I was able to just completely throw myself into football. Um it was a young manager that signed me. They had just um, they just changed managers halfway through the season. So I came in and I knew that Doncaster were in a relegation fight. But for me, it was the opportunity to come and to play WCL one again. Um, whether or not it was going to be for the next season, I wasn't sure. But um, it definitely gave me that opportunity again to come back and to um, to challenge myself in like one of the best leagues in my opinion. So. Um, it was really good for me, despite the fact that we um, had got put down that the following season was really good because it, it just gave me an opportunity to play again and like score goals, get good performances under my belt. And, and actually, I felt like it did definitely help me in terms of like pushing on um, as a player. And one of the things that uh, it's important for me to say when you go there, you get your goal scoring touch back in the sense that you're, you're getting regular goals again. Just describe yeah. the joy of scoring a goal because any player I ask always just says there's nothing like it. No, I love it. It's great. Um, I do get, I do get, I know that probably some people will disagree, but I get a massive kick out of setting up goals as well. Just the type of person I am. But like to score goals definitely is, is a brilliant feeling. And when you're doing well there, one of the things that intrigues me, you went back to Glasgow City during the sort of winter break type scenario. Yeah. What was was that just a case of getting enjoying your football and wanting to play as many games as you possibly could? Yeah, well, basically the club had kind of, they had kind of said that they were really, really struggling financially and they weren't in a position to offer me another contract. And um, at that point, I was probably looking to push on myself as well. Like I felt I had a good season. Um, and I was ready for something else. Um, I had looked at potentially going abroad to, to Spain to play, but it, it didn't really work out just because of the transfer windows and stuff. Um, so for me, going back home to play for Glasgow City, I knew exactly what I was going to. Do you know what I mean? I knew the standard was going to be good and that they were full-time. And um, Scott and Laura were supportive of me coming back and, and really welcoming, and that was good. And I knew the girls, so it was easy for me to come back and to play at Scot in, in Scottish League as well. Um, I knew that we had a big, league, a big kind of season coming up with the national team as well, so I knew that it was important for me to to get minutes under my belt and to keep myself fresh and sharp. Um, so that was like that was a good point for me as well. I've got to obviously ask you about the move to Liverpool. You go there having had over fifty caps for your country, and we'll come to Scotland soon. What was it like signing for them? Because obviously a massive worldwide club, and then the manager you had at the time, Neil Redfern, someone who had a very big reputation in the men's game. Um, as yeah. well, yeah. Um, oh, it was massive. Like I actually came about because of, because of Doncaster. Um, 
just near the end of the time before I'd left, Neil had come in to kind of help out. So he just wanted to kind of get his touch back in coaching. And I remember coming back off of Scotland camp once and we just obviously only had one coach and turned up and Neil was there and I was like, who's this? And actually the session was brilliant and I loved it. And I think for three months or two months that he was there, it was, it was brilliant. He took a lot of time to develop me and, and give me feedback as a player. And I loved it because obviously he's played the game himself at a very high level. So you've got instant respect for somebody. Um, and then obviously he became the manager for Liverpool. He dropped me a message. He was like, would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, if you're there, yes, definitely. Because for me, obviously... Um, Liverpool is a huge club, but I think it's even better if you've got a manager there that backs you. So that was that was really good, really really good. You, you you've summed up something there that always intrigues me with sort of football. Is that you mentioned there the fact that Liverpool are a massive club, but you also talked about how important it is for a manager to back you. See when you've got <laughs> a manager's backing, just describe the feeling that gives you to, and when you go into every training session and every game. I think it just kind of gives you the freedom to just play. They obviously know what you're about. They know your qualities. And they obviously have a way that they want to play, but they know that you're capable of doing that and you've got that trust. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And in terms of Liverpool, as I say, I hinted at this question earlier on. With Arsenal at the time, as you said, it was it was kind of integrated, but not fully. By the time mm-hmm. you get to Liverpool and with the investment that was going into the, to the women's game, the, the, the exposure it was starting to get, was it more integrated when you got there? Um, in terms of integration, like we didn't train we didn't train at the men's training ground and anything like that, whereas at Arsenal we, do, we did. Um, Liverpool, we were based solely out of Solar Campus, which is Tranmere Rovers men's training ground. Um, and then we play out of the men, their men's training ground the men's, men's stadium as well. So in terms of being integrated with the men's side at Liverpool, we weren't. Um, I don't know I don't know if there's plans, obviously. Like, I'm not there anymore, so I don't really know where they're, what the direction they're going in. But from that point, no. Um, there, there wasn't kind of really much crossover. It was really just if you were doing an appearance or something. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that was obviously different. And I think that's somewhere where definitely they can still develop as a club. Is that something that, and I don't want to be patronising to be asking this question, but is that something that frustrates you as a female footballer that when you play for these clubs, the Arsenals, the Liverpools, the Celtics, that it's not as integrated in certain t- situations as it should be? Because I think you've seen it in America, there's been, been chat about e- equality and equity, and I think that's very important. And I think, and I'm passionate about this, I have to say, I'm not just saying this because you're on, I've had Laura on. I think personally, if you're having a female team, it needs to be fully integrated to be part of the club or else what's the point? Yeah, I would agree. I think there's always a frustration and it's something that I think women, the women's games kind of been battling for for a long time. I think you've seen the likes of like clubs like Chelsea and, and Manchester um, City and stuff like that really fully integrated in the, the women's team. I'm sure there'll still be challenges, but... Um, they're fully integrated in the training systems and, and stuff like that. So I think that yeah, it's definitely a frustrating part because you want to be feel you want to be and feel like part of part of the team, like part of the whole overall club. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's still a challenge. It's obviously um, there for some clubs. One of the things that I'm interested to ask as well is the sort of dressing room environment. You hear, well, I've interviewed lots of players from the from the 
the mail game and you get stories of there's lots of banter flying around, etc. Is that the same in the women's game or is it more of a, a, a unified nature where there's not as many people taking the piss out of each other or is it just, just as fierce? No, I would, I would say it's definitely still there in the women's game. Um, you've always got the kind of the characters that are a bit more outgoing and quite happy to like be the jokers and be the centre of the attention. And I think you need that. I think that just makes up addressing them. Like you can't have everybody the same. You need ones that are going to like stir the pot sometimes, wind people up. But just it adds to kind of the, the, the closeness of a group. Do you know what I mean? If you can have a laugh together and then also... That, that also in hard times can pull you pull you through some some tricky times if you're on a on a losing rut or you're struggling in a game and you're you're closer to people so quite happy to like work harder for you I don't know that's just in my head the way that I see it I think you need it no I, I, I would I would agree with that and in t- and coming on to Scotland now I'm interested to to get your perspective in this because when you look at for me anyway when you look at this the scottish women's national team there seems to be a real closeness there and, and through the world cup tournament the qualification campaign it, it just seemed to be a very unified sort of structure and when you look at the, the the men's game when it not just scotland but england other nations at times a lot of people talk about club rivalries etc getting in the way but i've never sensed that from from the women's national team under shelley no not not with our team i think a lot of our girls, like, we've all grown up together. Like, I've known some of the players since I was about, since I first started playing football. So, like, Jane Ross, for example, Mitchie, like, some of the girls I've known since I was, like, 14, 13. So, in terms of relationships, we're all very, like, we know each other very well. And I think on the pitch, like, that helps. Because, I mean, there's a number of us that have played at different clubs together as well. So, all these kind of things, like, we take it on the pitch internationally. There's, there's connections there. I mean, there's relationships, you know how people play, you know how they want the ball, you know what kind of runs they're going to make and, and what type of player they are. And I think that when you get into bigger games, like very little details matter. Uh, absolutely. And, and to get back to the dressing room environment, I'll probably get shot for asking this question, but I've got Leanne Crichton on the show soon and I'm interested to ask you, see because she's <laughs> on the telly quite a lot, see with the dressing room environment, the... Is that where the sort of banter flies in and, and you and some of the players kind of have a wee joke and a laugh with her about all that stuff? I don't know. I think Leanne, Leanne's quite confident in herself anyway. Like, she's a joker too. Like, she she can dish it out. Um, but, like, just, it'll be different things. She'll maybe tell us a wee story or, or different things that have been on in some of the interviews. So, I think it's always interesting to hear kind of, like, that that perspective of like, what she does because not, not everybody's kind of... Um, would see it like or know what kind of goes on behind the kind of thing but yeah I think we've got, we've got quite a few jokers in the team anyway that keep us all on our toes. And in terms of when you started playing for Scotland until we get to the sort of World Cup 2019 mm-hmm. what was the, what was it what's it been like through the years in terms of the improvements again and sensing that greater importance being placed on the game as it should be? I think as a, as a national team, we've grown so much, even especially in the last like three, four years. Like when I first came in, like even just I don't even know where to start because there's been so much that's improved. Like the games that we would be playing, we'd be playing teams that would be higher ranked and, and we'd maybe struggle against them. The whole style of play and everything's changed. But I think maybe from when we don't, we reached the Euros in 2017, like I think as a national team, we've grown a lot from that. Um, and I think sometimes 
like looking back on it, we maybe didn't do as well as what we'd have hoped, but I think that we've learned a lot. And I think as a group, you've seen the difference, for example, even looking at the England game, the first Euros game, to the England game that we played last year, like how much the team's grown. Um, and I think sometimes it's hard to, to look at it in the moment. But I think when you come away from it, you can see how much we've developed as a team. Um, and then even just looking at the qualification campaign for the World Cup, those games that we were down and we've come back. Like the Poland game the last 15 minutes, we're still down 2-0 and we've come back and won the game. Like I think and it just shows the type of characters and the character we've got as a group, like how much we've, we've grown. And, and one of the th- two things I want to talk to you about, and, and this information I've, I've been given in the past, so I'm not going to name who told me about it, but basically when the Scottish women's national team announced maybe just over 10 years ago, I don't know if this was the case when you started, just right. daft things like the training kit, etc., would be like cast-offs from the men's side. It would be too big for players. And, and, and it's something that the people I've spoken to about this had said to me. I mean, how do you think that makes us feel? when that's the sort of standard of um, preparation that's been put into us. We've just been given cast-off stuff that's too big, it's old, and it just it's, it's like a case of that'll do. Did that affect you when you started? I don't know. I guess it did in some respects now that you said that. I just remember we used to turn up to the, to the airport just in our own clothes, and then we'd, have to, we'd be given a tracksuit, and we'd go into the, change, into the toilets and change in our, in our tracksuits for Scotland. Just little things, and you're like, now... That's, that would never happen. Unless it was a one-off occasion, that would never happen. Like, can you imagine me in a men's kit? I'm five foot one. I'm tiny. Like, I think for most of my career, I've wore a kit that's far too big for me. Um, and I think that was probably the same when I was playing for Scotland initially, only up until recently. So um, I think there's definitely been a lot of kind of developments and improvements in the women's game in that sense. And another thing, and this one's on a more positive note, something again, through people I've spoken to who I know within the, the women's game, and again, it's not me having digging out any male players in particular, but I think it's something that frustrates me at times when you go to a game, and after the game, there's like young kids waiting for autographs, and some of the guys, albeit understand they can be busy, and they just walk right by, whereas... I've been told this by a fair few people, in particular we have our national team, that no matter who it is, whether it's yourself, whether it's Leanne, whether it's Shelley, it doesn't matter who it is, they will, they will sign autographs for whoever is there. And I think for me, the amount of people that have contacted me saying that's the main difference between uh, mm-hmm. the female game and the men's game, there's far more humble, down-to-earth players who are willing to give you their time. Yeah, and I think for us, we want to grow the game. We want people to come and enjoy and have a good experience watching us playing. And to the national team, that's important. Like, we always spend time going and interacting with the fans. And I think that's one of the positive things about the women's game as well, is that you can do that. Like, it's not like, I think sometimes in the men's game, they can be put in pedestals and almost, like, don't approach. And it's maybe not from their side, but maybe from yeah. other people who are kind of, like, logistically trying to sort things. But I think for us, like, I think you should always, just in a personal always make time for people who you come and watch and support you because you, you want them to come back and you want them to be telling my friends that they had such a good experience watching and playing, uh, watching us playing. So um, I think with us, it's important that we always continue to like, take care and, and, and go in and interact with people that spend time and come and watch us. And in terms of how nice has that been, I suppose, over the, 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 the piece of your career so far that 
as there's more exposure, as there's more attention on the game, that you are able to connect with far more fans now because I imagine that's quite a nice thing considering that if you were to think back to when you started playing, you were playing against boys, you were, as you say, you went from being last pick to gradually being first pick and then making a career in the game. So how nice is it to be able to give back to, to the young girls coming through now who have got maybe better opportunities than you had at a similar age? million percent they've got so much like young girls now coming through have got so much opportunities um and i think as well even just going back to the interaction thing like there could be a young girl there who is like a keen footballer just maybe doesn't have the confidence to go and do it but you having that conversation with could just push it on um and that's brilliant so um and i think obviously like looking back at even the differences in the game you look at what 18,000 19,000 came to watch us against jamaica at hamden like as a young girl, I didn't think that that would be possible. <laughs> so I think you kind of just see then that all the young girls and that, that want to play football can look at that and think, I want to be there. Well, in terms of that game, funnily enough, that was the first sort of Scotland game for the, the female national team that I had went to. And as I say, I work in education. We took two buses full with I mean, parent helpers saying, I want to come, I want to come, I want to come. And it was amazing. We took the kids to that game. Uh, with decent seats and every single person left that night saying they loved it and what really impressed me about it was the school I was working in at the time um, head, head teacher massive football fan so he is had never really watched the, the women's game didn't really know much about it, it was there obviously because essentially it had to be but he left that yeah. night going wow do you know he said see if anybody ever asked me again there'll be no jokes there'll be no nothing he says that standard there, I would pay to watch that. Yeah, it's it's just changing perceptions for us. It's it's getting as many people as possible to come and, and to watch and to see it themselves and then to make their own judgments rather than maybe making preconceived ones that they've, they've had for a long time. Um, I think the level of the women's game's definitely improved and I think as that does, hopefully the more people will want to come and watch it. Yeah, absolutely, and, and see that night with that crowd, just... Describe how special that was for you and the team because the atmosphere that night was just brilliant. I just, it was a sunny night, which helps, but it was what I really liked about it from a personal perspective was the amount of time. And I find this with the female game, to be honest with you, across the board, the amount of time the ball stays on the ground and they try and play the right way. There's a lack of long balls and going direct, which I like. I like to see it played the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think obviously when Shelley's come in, the style that we obviously wanted, she wants to play is, is very much a good attacking, ball-dominating like kind of game. And, and I think we've got the players to do it. And I think that um, I think we played quite well in that game as well. And I think that's always a good thing for a fan to come and see, is to, to see a nice way of playing. You want to be able to enjoy and play attacking football. So um, as a player, that's obviously enjoyable to play in as well. Do you know what I mean? And one player in particular I want to ask you about is Erin Cuthbert. What does she like to play with? Because every time she got the ball that night, and even at the World Cup, there's just that expectation of something's going to happen here. That's the type of player she is. She's just, she's just got the bit between her teeth and she's so talented. Like so, so talented. And I think if she keeps going the way she's going, she's going to be one of the top players, I think, in, in Europe, definitely. Um, I think when she gets on the ball, like you say, you just you don't know what she's going to do. She's exciting and um, a, a really good player and I really enjoy playing with her. Um, for us, obviously, with the national team, she's a key player as well. 
she always you do you just know that's potentially something happening. I mean, the goal she scored at Hamden was an absolute stormer. <laughs> um, so you know that she's got that in her locker, and she's got moments of just brilliance where she can just unlock a door or, or get a shot off and score a goal like that. So I think for us, obviously, it's it's just another weapon, kind of the players that we've got. And in going into that World Cup, how does Shelley prepare the team? Because the exposure, as you said, was massive. The viewing figures were incredible um, as well. And, and as you mentioned earlier, going in with the, the, the previous game against England a couple of years back, how did she handle that and how did the team handle that pressure? Because whether it's a game of bowls, whether it's whatever it is, Scotland, England's always going to attract an audience. Yeah, I mean, we'd played, like, we'd played some top friendlies, kind of, um, in the build-up to that. We'd played lots of different ones. We'd played Brazil who we'd played before years, years before and hadn't, hadn't beat. We'd beat Brazil then, um, which was about in March, April time. So playing teams like that definitely gives you confidence. And, and when you've, despite it being a friendly, I think there's never really any real friendlies, but it, it kind of gets spurs you on because I think we were in, we knew we were in a different place. We knew we'd learn from it and we'd all grown um, and we'd grown as a team. So I think going into the England game, we definitely believed that we could get something out of it. Um, uh, if we kept ourselves in the game and stuff like that as well, we've got players that, that play, most of the players that played in the game, that, that played our team as well, play in England or they play professional. So we knew on that capacity that there was not anything to fear. We knew, of course, that they, they had a lot of quality, real quality in their team, but we believed that we do as well. And in terms of the game itself, getting into that, you find out you're starting World Cup game against England. Just describe that feeling. Was there any nerves at all or was it just a sheer, a, a sheer buzz of, right, here we go? Um, a bit of written really. A bit of shock. A bit of, um, obviously I was buzzing. Like I was really buzzing, but of, of course I was really nervous because probably the biggest game in our history um, with the national team. So, But happy, just, just really looking forward to it. Of course, close at the game, there was definitely nerves. Um, but I think if you've not got them, then it doesn't really mean the same. Um, but yeah, I think for me, on a personal note, it was uh, it was buzzing. I think that's the best way to describe it because it's something that, as a footballer, you you dream of playing in, and to be involved in that in that game was definitely a dream come true. Um, you, you work and you work so hard, and to be selected to play in that game was uh, yeah. Playing in midfield, coming up against the likes of. Um, Fran Kirby and others. Just what was that like? Get finally in an international game as an equal, coming up against those sort of players and, and having your individual battles. It was good. I mean, you, like we because I played in England, it's not something that it's not like coming up against a player that you've never really played before. You know that, like I knew that Fran had obviously so much quality, but I knew that I've played against them before. So I think from that sense, like. Yeah, I've got players in my team that I know are on that level as well. I've got Caroline beside me. I've got Kim playing in front of me. I've got Ern up top. Like I know that the qualities around me is, is good. So, of course, it was just a different challenge. I played a deeper role, um, and it do at times with the national team. So, for me, that's just an area that I've been trying to develop and stuff. So that was a different challenge, but one that I definitely like loved. And in terms of that game itself, how do you reflect back on it? Because it was it was one of those ones where there was this expectation that England were going to come in and absolutely steamroller Scotland and 
and they were going to have their dominance, the Phil Neville effect, etc. Lots of attention on it, but that that did not happen. We were we were close and really just could have got something out of that game. Yeah, I think I think in the first half England definitely had I'd probably say more more the kind of possession and dominate dominated it, but I think in the second half we pushed on. I think obviously Claire got the goal and we had another couple of chances. So um, I think that we, oh, just looking back on it, it was close, wasn't it? But I think that we definitely did ourselves justice and showed that we can compete on that stage um, just to find margins. And at that level, that's what it is. It's, um, well, as yeah. you say, it's, it's fine margins. And the Japan game, again, fine margins. Yeah. It's just, but... The game I've got to focus on with you, it's it's one of the most crazy, crazy games I've ever watched. The roller coaster of emotions just sums up Scotland for me. Argentina, <laughs> we're doing so well. We think we've got it in the bag and then obviously they come back into it. Just describe yeah. that situation and describe the incident in the game because I'll be honest with you, with the VAR, I'm still not over it. <laughs> oh, don't. I think everybody else is feeling the same. Um, Similar to you, like I was injured, I didn't end up doing my MCL in the England game. Um, so I had kind of, I knew that I wasn't going to be involved in the squad or anything, but I think just watching it, um, it was an absolute roller coaster of emotions. We had dominated the game the first, what was it, 70 odd minutes? Yep. Completely dominated. And, and if anybody's watching, you're going, this game's done. It's done, but I think it just shows you that it is never done. There is always moments in, Argentina, we knew, had the experience of playing at a World Cup before as well. So, and, and even in the moments of the game where we're dominating, they're still showing moments where they could hurt us. Um, so I think it was obviously disappointing to, to concede three goals later on in the game, especially when we were in so much control. But um, I think that the final, the way it finished was just kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> um the fact that Lee's saved the penalty and then they've made a retake, they've made the retake it. I think was just, and when you look at the video, it's so. I mean, you've watched men's games, you've watched women's games where the goalkeeper's off the line and they've they've saved it and they've left it. And I think, I think it was extremely, extremely harsh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think, as I say, with that incident, it just. One thing though for Lee and a team, and again, I know it's no consolation because you draw the game, you end up going out. But see when you think of the reaction after that game. I mean, the, some of the most high-profile people in the men's game, the female game, there was just a, an, an outpouring of admiration for for Scotland, and, and I think everyone agreed that they were rocked. And and the reason I say that is because it's you, you summed it up. How many times have you seen goalkeepers off the line massively? It doesn't get given. And then after Lee's incident, they end up kind of tweaking the rules so they don't do that again. And you think, yeah. why, is it all, why is it always us that have to be the guinea pigs of Scotland? Do you know what I mean? I know. I think, I think when I had read that they'd slightly changed the rules, I was oh, disappointed because I felt like it, at that point it wasn't really fair. But it was done. Do you know what I mean? You can't really change it now. But I think to do that midway through our World Cups a bit, yeah. And in terms of the World Cup, playing in that England game, the exposure it got, how did that sort of change things for you? Because I imagine for you and the team, you started getting noticed more. People want to speak to you a lot more. What was that like to deal with as well? Um, yeah, that was a different kind of challenge, I think, for me as well. Like, 
um, after the World Cup I was on holiday and a man kind of came up to me in the pool and was like, were you playing for Scotland? And I think that, yeah, I was, but that was, that's never happened before, do you know what I mean? Like that was, I was in Mexico, totally opposite end of the world and I've got a Scottish guy coming up to me and saying, I was watching you in World Cup. Mad, like just in terms of how the games changed because that would never have happened. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Um, I think in terms of like the media exposure was definitely, um, that, that definitely increased a lot. And I think there was a lot more demands on players to kind of, to give more of your time and to try and obviously promote the game and stuff like that. So, I mean, that was great. It's just, it was just different. Absolutely. And, and in terms of post-World Cup, where do you think the game is in Scotland now in terms of the national team? Do you think we can build on this long term and that with Shelley at the helm, we can we can make going to tournaments sort of second nature the way it was many years ago for the, for the men's team? But sadly, it doesn't look as if it's going to happen anytime soon. So we're relying on the, on the women's team to do us proud, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think for, for us now, we've set the standard and, and I think other people now expect which is a different kind of it's a different kind of pressure to deal with um but i think having the experience of playing in in both kind of tournaments we kind of know what's expected now as well ourselves and i think that can only really help us to push on from from kind of the experience that we've had um and i think just grow obviously there'll be new players coming in and i think they just kind of can can add to it and learn from the ones that have been there. But for us as a national team, we want to be at the next the Euros in England. Um, and I think it's just them trying to continue growing the game. And in terms of the game growing, that's very important. The expectation aspect's interesting. It's, it's, it's amazing how every underdog ends up becoming the person that eventually the expectation's placed on. Um, you see yeah. that with like, Leicester in the in the men's game. It was a great underdog story, but then, as you know, the next year it becomes, right, what are they going to do now? Where, how are they going to push on? So, in terms of the future of the game, the last sort of broad question I've got for you, what message would you like to give to any any sort of young girls listening to this? Or maybe, you might, there were a lot of males listening to this, maybe their parents, maybe they've got a young girl, maybe mm-hmm. they've not considered it as a potential sport to encourage them to play because mm-hmm. the sort of stereotypical elements, as you know, like dancing and, and ice skating, these stereotypical expectations that girls do these sort of things. For me, that shift's changing, but what message would you give to anyone listening? Because as I say, in my experience of being a teacher, I mean, I, I, and this year in particular, I had girls saying after the World Cup, can we set up a team? See, that's brilliant. Like, I think that that's good that they can challenge, challenge you and push you to do that. I think that um, they need to be brave as well themselves to do things like that and to, to push to get a girls team. I remember being the same kind of when I was at high school, we didn't have a girls team. We did, it was like on and off and there was a few girls that played so we kind of pushed for that as well. So I think definitely to do that but like th- there is opportunities now for young girls to, to build a career in football. Won't be easy right enough, but I'll definitely warn them on that but you get to follow your passion and there's not all people that can say that they can do that. So I think definitely to work hard um, but I think to make sure that they're still doing their education, I think that's a huge thing. I think with women's football, it's, yes, you can make a career, but there, you need to make sure that you've also got something else to fall back on. And for me, that's massive. I was fortunate enough to be part of the academy, the National Performance Centre, where I was able to do a degree as well as play football full-time. 
So for me, I think that young players, young girls now should still definitely make sure that they've got their education there um, to give them that, that grounding for should something maybe not quite go the way they wanted, they've always got that there. And they've always got, and got that, not dual career, but they've got that other option there. Um, but definitely that there is opportunities now for young girls to dream and play football properly. And I think that if they want it, it's there. They just need to make sure they work for it. Absolutely. And we reach the, the dreaded quickfire questions now. <laughs> one being, um, best players you've played with? Kelly Smith. Um, just absolute wizard. Like, I've not seen a female player like her since, and I don't know if we will. Um, probably definitely in my football career. Um, yeah, she's definitely the best player that I've played alongside or trained alongside as well. Toughest direct opponent? Jennifer Marazon. I played against her in the Champions League with Bristol, just on a different level. Different level, just like just an ability to switch the play and just dominate midfield. She was a very difficult challenge, challenge for me um, playing against her. Most underrated player you've played with so far? Um, ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't really know. That's a hard one. Um, I don't really know if I've got an answer for that one. Not yet. Uh, um, I think Emma Mitchell. I think she's such a good such a good talented left back and I definitely think she obviously gets credit for she played at Arsenal for a number of years but I don't think that she gets enough credit for for being such a good defender and, and obviously great on the ball as well as a left back. Best manager of your career so far? Um, in club football um, in terms of like on the pitch, I felt like it was Eddie Lighty Black. Um and Neil Neil Redfern obviously didn't really play for him that, that long, but probably they two. Um and then international Shelley, definitely. It would be the three. And in, in a few non football ones for you now. Um what's your favourite sport outside of football? Oh. Um I do like watching tennis. I wouldn't be able to tell you like every player or anything like that but I do, do enjoy watching Wimbledon when it's on. Um, beach holiday or city break? Beach holiday. Tea or coffee? Tea. Favourite music? See that's tricky. I like a lot of different music but if I was to say one it would be like 90s R&B. I'll be honest I didn't see that one coming. Um... <laughs> Not a lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite film? White Chicks, just purely because it just makes me laugh. It's just so stupid. Is there a particular box set you're watching at the moment on Netflix or Amazon? Um, I've watched so many now because we've been in lockdown. Um, I've started watching The Crown, which is actually surprising, really good. I really actually have enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. <laughs> and the sort of last question I've got for you, I'm interested... Because in this interview, your, your love for footballs came through. Um, very knowledgeable about football as well. Will we see you coaching and managing one day? Um, 
I think so at some point, yeah. Um, I've just started my A licence with Scottish FA, which um, I had done my B licence about three years ago now. Um, and obviously during lockdown, they've kind of put their courses online. So it's been actually a perfect opportunity for me to kind of develop myself. Um, and yeah, I think at some point, I definitely see myself involved in football. Um, whether it's coaching or managing, I'm not sure, but I definitely feel like it could definitely add value and, and just my passion is football. So I can see myself being in football long term. And if you were to become a manager, what do you think your style would be like? The style of football? Yep. If I had any team in any player, it would definitely be a possession kind of based style. Um, that's the kind that I enjoy watching and enjoy playing. Um, but again, it's determined on the players that you've got and if you can play that way. Um, in an ideal world, it would be like that. I love, obviously, you've got Messi behind you. Like, I love Barcelona. Like, I love watching them play. That's the kind of style of football that I like. And actually, the, the question I actually meant to ask at the very start, see, in terms of when you were growing up, who was your first footballing hero? Who was the first person you looked at and thought, wow, that's made me kind of fall in love with football? Henrik Larsson. He's just, he was class. Like, I had the season ticket at Celtic. Um, so me and my dad would go and watch and my brother as well we'd go and watch like the games and I just love watching him play like he was brilliant at finishing he, he honestly could take defences on in his own but he was brilliant at bringing people out to play um, so for me it was obviously at the club what seven years and it was just so good to watch like especially in like the Champions League nights Derby nights like so good brilliant yeah absolutely it's been a pleasure thank you for joining me and as i say with your next step whether it's in england scotland wherever it is i wish you every success and hopefully the national team can continue to kind of set the standard because we we definitely need more <laughs> success in football in scotland thanks very much for having me on calm so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make her home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song